0: you're not well known, but you need star power to get people to pay attention to your product. What do you do? Today's guest found an interesting solution to it that just might apply to you. Also, are you the face of your company or do other people represent it to the world? Listen to what happened to today's guest because he wasn't the face, because he was in the background. Finally, today's guest at I think the very end of the interview pointed out a mistake that I might be making. If you're, if you're copying me, if you're trying to do something similar to me, especially in the membership space, you're going to want to check out that last section in here, what he has to say to me, because it might just apply to you. Don't make my mistakes. Well, if you want to call them mistakes, listen to his feedback and everything else that went on in this interview coming up. Three messages before we get started first. Do you need a single phone number that comes with multiple extensions so anyone who works at your company can be reached no matter where they are? Go to grasshopper.com. It's the virtual phone system that entrepreneurs love. Next, does anyone you know need a beautiful online store that actually increases sales but is easy to set up and manage? Send them to shopify.com the platform that top online stores are running on right now. Finally, do you need a lawyer who actually understands the startup world that you and I live in? Go to walkercorporatelaw.com. I've known Scott Edward Walker for years, so tell him you're a friend of mine and he'll take good care of you. Here's a program. Hey there freedom fighters, my name is Andrew Warner on the I'm the founder of Mixerty.com. Home of the ambitious upstart and the guy who keeps looking down at the audio levels in the intro. I wonder if the audience picks up that when I do the announcement, I check the audio levels too. Anyway, back to this interview. This interview is going to be about how a poker education site generates millions of dollars in revenue. Billy Murphy is the owner of bluefirepoker.com, a website that allows its subscribers to train with top online poker players. His revenue comes from membership. I'm going to find out how he launched the business, how he grew it, how he generated revenue, how he keeps his customers. And I also want to ask him about his new blog, which is foreverjobless.com, where he talks about entrepreneurship. So Billy, welcome.
1: Thanks for having me, Andrew
0: kind of race through that intro, but I know that uh, one thing that the audience picked up on is that you're generating millions in revenue.
1: Let's be a little more specific.
0: I know you talk about the first day's revenue from Blue Fire Poker. What
1: was that? The first day revenue, um, I think it was probably only a half day's revenue when we launched and it was, uh, we did over 30,000 the first day.
0: $30,000 came in. Yeah. All right. And I know you had an incredible uh, early, um, uh, second week, I think it was. What was the revenue for the first and second weeks?
1: The first, I don't know the second offhand, but the first week, I think we finished out the first week over a hundred thousand dollars.:
0: Wow, a hundred thousand in sales the first week.: Yeah. Okay. I, um, I want to find out how you did that. I actually went back to archive.org and I said, "What did Billy have on his site before he launched and what did he launch with? And what I saw was there was an email form. Do you want to tell the audience a little, a little bit about that?
1: So the form you're talking about, I guess, right before we launched. Just um, before you launched, yeah. Yeah, it was an email form, um, but we actually didn't promote it at all. So I think when we had launched, um, we had, man, yeah, I want to say like thirty or forty people on our on our email list, but we didn't, you know, because we didn't tell anyone what we were doing. So we kind of went against all the. Uh, you know, the inner, internet marketing tactics of, you know, build a huge list, do a bunch of pre-marketing, um, you know, build up your affiliates, do all this stuff. We didn't do any of that. So we just had a simple lander. Um, just kind of put it up and, uh, you know, whoever found it. Um, so
0: your orders didn't come from people who you've, who you sent that, to that page. No. Yeah,
1: so it was I was no trying problem. to be too
0: clever there and it didn't work.
1: But yeah, I, I wasn't, I wasn't clever. I didn't do, uh, I didn't do a lot of the pre-marketing or any of that. And, uh, you know, my reasoning at the time, which I'm not sure if it was optimal, uh, was you know I didn't want I thought we had something so good that uh, yeah I wanted the the buzz to be all in the first day where you know we launched and it was just everybody talking about um, you know holy crap they just they just launched this thing and we had never heard of it and uh, you know so we didn't do any any pre sales it was all uh, after launch.
0: All right, we're gonna break down the launch process later on in the interview. I just wrote myself a note to make sure to come back to it. Uh, one more thing about revenue. What size of revenue are you guys doing now? What's your annual uh, sales?
1: Um, to not be too specific, I guess we'll say somewhere around a million dollars.
0: Somewhere around a million dollars in sales. Okay. All right. So let's go back and find out how you built this thing up. You are a guy who was always into. Uh, you you had a little ambition in you from the start, from what I can tell. You yeah. had a newspaper uh, route that you were too you were too young to. Uh, that you were too young to have. Can you tell the audience about that? how did you get it?
1: Yeah, so I, I was nine years old, um, and you had to be twelve years old to have a newspaper route. And so I knew the guy across in our neighborhood and he was quitting. And I know
0: Oh, I think we just lost you there, Billy. And uh Sorry, easy. I think I think we just lost you. Do you have anything running in the background that could be using up your bandwidth? No, right? You just did a restart before we enough. started.
1: Yeah, nothing running. Um, where did you right. lose you there? Sorry. Uh, what, what part did you lose me?
0: Uh, let's start from the top of the story. So, <laughs> <Sure>. yeah. <laughs> so the, the
1: uh, when I was nine, it was uh, you had to be twelve years old to get a newspaper route, and um, the guy across the street was, you know, had our neighborhood and was doing. I think he was making fifty bucks a week, which was you know like millions of dollars to me as a nine-year-old and so I uh, so I wanted it and you know I talked to him and I asked him about the money he was making and uh, so I had my mom call the uh, you know the newspaper company and, and ask if you know there there was an exception they could make and you know the guy who you know the manager who hires the newspaper carriers you know came over and met with me and my mom and yeah, I told him I was you know serious about it I wanted to make money I'd do a good job and uh, so they let me have it. And, uh, yeah, so I started doing newspaper routes when I was nine and it was, uh, it was awesome. I mean, it was, you know, tons of money to me at the time. You know, $50 a week was just, you know, awesome.
0: What did you do with that money as a kid?
1: So I actually, uh, at the time I just kind of saved it up. And the one thing that I spent money on was sports cards. So I used to collect, you know, sports cards and, baseball uh, baseball
0: cards, basketball cards, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so
1: that was kind of, you know, that kind of launched my next business, you know, years later, just because I was into that stuff. And, uh, but yeah, business? About- business? uh, so I had a sports card business and I started getting into that. I think I was maybe around 17 and I just kind of wanted to get rid of a, a bunch of cards that I had. And so I sold, I was mainly into basketball cards. And so I sold off the uh, football and baseball parts and, and all I was doing, I was going, I was actually going to eBay and at the time, they didn't have usernames so much. They had people's emails as like the high bidders, and so I used to go and basically just pick up every high bidder, or you know the top couple of high bidders bidding on anything similar to what I had, and then I was emailing those people and saying, you know, hey, I think I have exactly you know the type of stuff you're looking for. I'm just looking to get rid of this stuff. You know, do you want it? And I would send out hundreds of them, and uh, you know, one guy wanted it, and so sold it to him. Um,
0: so you're spamming people on eBay who you knew would be good potential buyers
1: and saying, "I've yep. got this. Do you want to buy from me directly?" Exactly. Yeah. And so I just told them, "Hey, I have this collection. Uh, I saw you were bidding on kind of you know the same thing. And uh, do you want it?" And yeah, finally, I mean, the conversion rate on that was you know .001 percent or something It was horrible. But uh, you know, finally got the you know somebody to buy the cards. And then I didn't think I was doing a business at the time. I just wanted to you know extra money for cards I wasn't interested in and. Uh, But then literally a couple weeks later, there was a collection that came up in, you know, the daily paper or or whatever, uh, an advertisement for a card collection. And I think my mom or dad showed me it and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And it was, it was like 70,000 cards, which was, which was a lot of cards. It was way more than, than I had at the time. And, uh, and so I was like, you know, maybe at the time I still wasn't thinking about the business opportunity. I was thinking maybe, uh, you know, maybe I can have the other guy buy, you know, the baseball and football and, and the other stuff. And I'll just, maybe he'll pay for enough of the collection that I can just kind of get the basketball side of it for free. So I contacted the same guy and, you know, gave him an idea of the collection. I went to see it and,
0: um, bottom line, what size money did you make from this? I always go back to the bottom line. Don't I?
1: Yeah. So, well, this specific collection, um, I think it was, I'm trying to think. I think I paid, I want to say $700 for this collection, and I'm pretty sure the guy gave me $1,500 for like two-thirds of it. And so I doubled my money and got a bunch of free cards, and then I realized, wait a minute, I think I can just do this over and over and over, and that's what I did. And uh, so I did cards the next you know, two years or whatever until I was in college um, and did, uh, I don't know how much I made in total, but I remember one summer... I wouldn't get a job, and uh, you know my parents were worried. You know, you got to get a job, got to get things on your resume, and you know I was just kind of collecting cards and buying out these collections. And uh, at the end of the summer, I sold one for I think it was like uh, like nine thousand dollars, and I was like seventeen or eighteen. And was, <laughs> so then they were a little less uh, less worried about me. I think.
0: What was a trick to generating money, to making money from uh, sports cars? was it picking the right cards? Was it finding people who weren't interested in them? And so you got a really great deal on it. Was it being persistent about sales? What's the one thing that did it?
1: Yeah. Persistent about sales was one. I mean, I was, so every time I would kind of have something to sell, I was doing the same thing. I was contacting everyone who would ever bid on something similar. Um, and so again, it was, it was not an efficient, sp- you know, time spend, but, uh, you know, for a 17 year old, it was, it was still, you know, better than I can do at a job or anything, but. Uh, you know, I found a guy in um, in Syracuse uh, who was doing, who's buying, you know, collections from sports card companies or like buyouts from uh, you know stores. And so I would just kind of take stuff that he wasn't doing anything with and kind of buy it at a slight markup at these bulk collections. And I was buying so many cards that you can get big deals. I mean, I'm talking like I sold one collection that was a million cards. And so it was, you know, you can take like little fractions of mm-hmm. a penny you know on cards and just kind of multiply at times huge volumes and so and i was actually doing the opposite of what a lot of people were doing other people were buying collections and breaking them down and selling them piece by piece um and i was actually finding super highlight parts of collections and kind of advertising that as there's a michael jordan rookie card in here there's all the all these things and uh then people were you know kind of caught up in the i need to buy this collection because it has all this cool stuff where because I was buying in such bulk and kind of placing, you know, interesting pieces into the collection, I was actually doing the opposite as uh, I see. we're doing.
0: Okay, and you're firing up people's imagination about what else could be included in this. That if he's telling <laughs> me that this great guy's card is in here, then maybe in these millions of cards he's selling me, there's a bunch of other great guys.
1: Yeah, it was a big, you know, a big kind of lesson in sales and and uh, and and just kind of pursuing just a man
0: was what was it about making money that fired you up i keep hearing entrepreneurs come on here and say that even when i was a kid i used to sell cards or gum or whatever and i wonder at that point what were you trying to do were you trying to buy enough money to impress your friends were you trying to just see how much uh, how many bills you can stack up in your bedroom what was the goal of it
1: there i don't even know um i just always was intrigued by making money and i was always kind of interested how, you know, how certain people had money and how mm-hmm. other people didn't. And, you know, it just always intrigued me. It wasn't so much about, you know, I didn't have any big desires to spend a m- bunch of money. I was never did you grow like- up in a
0: family that had money.
1: Um, didn't, you know, I didn't come from a rich family. I mean, my, my parents both did well, but it wasn't, uh, you I know, see.
0: so it wasn't that your family did so well that you felt that you had to do the same thing. That's the way life was. It wasn't the opposite yeah. either where your parents didn't do so well. And you said, I'm never going to live like this. It was just and. An innate part of you.
1: Yeah, it was just uh, curiosity and interest, and then once I got to making it, I I enjoyed having. I guess as a as a nine year old, uh, and, and similar to when I was you know seventeen doing cards, it was nice to be able to if I wanted something, I didn't have to think about it because I had the money to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, as a nine year old, if I wanted to buy a you know, a big box of cards, I could just go buy it. Where all my friends would have to you know wait a year till the next birthday to get it, and uh, you know things like that where I was like, wow, you know, it really does change your life, being able to, you know, do what you want and kind of, you know, buy what you want.
0: Here's something else that I heard about you that you're a guy who just loves to learn. In fact, you used to stalk people on forums to learn. What yeah. did you do?
1: I would, and this was one of the biggest ways I learned. I would mm-hmm. go to, at the time it was uh, uh, rich dad forums, which is now kind of, kind of not the same anymore. Uh, but, uh, the there forums was a lot- for
0: the book, uh, rich dad, poor dad.
1: Yeah, yep. yep. so I would literally stalk people, and by by that I mean I would read anything they'd ever written. Um, and it's always amazing to me, more people don't do it, there's, you know, if you think about all the posts some of these people make, and you know, there's very few you know, successful people are posting on forums, but the few that do, you can find thousands of posts, and so it's like there's several books they've already written on all this stuff that you want to know. Um, so I would literally read every single post. Um, that they'd written and then i would formulate questions and i'd say hey i read this post you made on september 7th you know how i didn't understand what you meant by this and and so i would ask them these questions but they could tell i wasn't i wasn't just some annoying kid who was I was probably annoying to them but it wasn't in a way that uh you know they could see i had put in work and i knew exactly everything they had said and what they'd done so they actually helped me because they said okay we don't we don't get these emails a lot but these these private messages a lot Um, and so, so yeah, I got to, you know, kind of annoy some people on on forums and just kind of pick their brains. And, uh, you know, I realized if you if you put in the work ahead of time, people will help you out because they see you're really motivated to learn. And so, yeah, I just found three or four successful people and just kind of everything they said, I I tried and, and uh, I read. If they said, read this book, I just went and read it. And then my questions, I go back and say, hey, on page 112, I, did, I didn't get this. You know, what does this mean? <laughs> so it was really easy to learn. It was a lot of hard work, but it was, it was easy to learn and, uh, and kind of get, get acquainted with how people were doing well thought.
0: All right. I could see how that led to blue fire poker, a site where you've got people who are teaching how to play poker better. Let's Mm -hmm. get into how you got into poker yourself. Where did that come from? This was in college. You picked it up.
1: Yeah. So I started, Mm -hmm. yeah, I started, I think it was, uh, my sophomore year of college. I was probably probably 20 years old. Um, And just, uh, I heard, you know, he played poker online. uh, It sounded cool to me. I didn't have a credit card or anything at the time, so my roommate, um, I gave him 50 bucks, and he put $50 on there for me. And just kind of started playing, and I started playing for free money at first before I I gambled on the 50 bucks, and I just kind of started learning. I didn't know, you know, how to play exactly, and then uh, when I felt confident for the play money, I started uh, playing for real money. And I remember I was you know, winning or losing like a dollar a day. And it was, it was awesome to me. I was just, you know, oh, this is this why is cool. you're a
0: guy who was making 50 bucks when he was nine years old, you were doing yeah. $9,000 in baseball cards or basketball cards. Why right. did winning a dollar mean anything to you?
1: It was, well, cause I didn't expect that you could make money at this. And then, so it was just a fun hobby. And then, uh, it was, you know, slowly I was progressing and making a dollar a day, dollar a day over and over. And I was like, wow, you know, you can. You can make some money at this and then i would find out that there were people actually making real money and so i kind of did the same thing as the forums right i'd see people sitting at the poker tables with a lot of money mm-hmm. and i'd say how did you get you know how did you win all this money you know is there are, are you making money you, mean, you know
0: in the online in the online poker games you would see guys who are sitting with a lot of money big winnings and you would start yeah. messaging them there
1: yeah you can just talk to them in the chat and so i'd say you know, how do you, how do you have all that money in front of you? You know, what, uh, how
0: receptive are they to hearing from a stranger questions about how they made money?
1: Um, it's probably again, a low, a low percentage rate, okay. it, uh, but you only need a couple to to give you some advice. <laughs> um, and so, you know, once in a while I'd find a person waiting for a game or something and they'd, you know, they're online anyways, playing poker or whatever. So sometimes they'll chat with me. I remember one guy, he was telling me that, you know, yeah, he was making a thousand bucks a week. And, you know, obviously skeptical, I don't, I don't believe it, you know, and I'm, and I start picking his brain and asking him kind of, you know, vetting him out to see if it's, might be legit. And he pointed me to some, some forums and some poker books. And so again, I just kind of did what he said and, uh, slowly progressed. And then, you know, after a while I was, uh, making a pretty decent side income from poker in college.
0: So, um, you (laughs) were basically becoming a professional poker player at that point.
1: Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, I had no plans, uh, you know, the first, you know, year or so maybe I got to the point where I was making, you know, 15 bucks an hour. So I wasn't, I wasn't floating in a lot of money yet. Uh, But, you know, slowly I kept getting better and better. And I remember I went home for like a winter break from college. I think it was my, probably my senior year. And I wanted to do a test to see if I could do it as a pro. So I think we had a four week break. And so I set aside like four hours a day to play. And I did pretty well that month. And so I knew, okay, I'm pretty confident if I wanted to go for, you know, full-time after college that I could do it successfully. And, uh, um, so that kind of got me thinking about it that, you know, I think I could do this full time and I think I could make more money than I could make in any jobs. What Uh, year was this? This was, uh, the year I kind of, I was a senior was, uh, 2004,
0: 2005. So yeah, that's what I was thinking roughly around there. I thought people were basically creating bots back then. I actually knew a developer back then who yeah. created a bot that would watch people in the room, that would know what they were playing, and then based on that, he'd be able to play. And I think there were people who were creating bots that actually played for them, bots that filled up the room. How do you win anything back then?
1: So, I mean, there's a, there's always bots and talks of bots, um, but the thing is you can only – you know and i've actually been approached like hey will you help me build a bot um i don't know the best way to describe it but uh it's you know if i programmed a bot to to play certain ways it 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 probably wouldn't be able to outthink me because you know when, uh, as a as a poker player you're constantly adjusting and you're constantly uh you know reacting to how your opponent plays so once you kind of figure out how someone plays you change your style um to beat them and so a bot would have much more trouble and obviously at this point you know technology is getting more and more and more advanced so I'm sure I'm sure people have things out there that can uh um that are a little more complex now but uh but yeah I mean back back then especially it was no there was not really a concern for it because if you got you know if you played pretty well you could uh um and you didn't you know your goal as as a you know as a poker player isn't to go play players that are that are awesome um your goal is to find the weak spots and um, you know, focus on extracting money from them.
0: All right. You didn't have bots, even though I've seen people with bots, you didn't have them. You were doing well. And one of the reasons why you were doing well is that you hired a coach. Yep. Right. And a coach helped you turn around your game. Did I understand that right?
1: Yeah. So, um, so I had gotten a job for a few months after college and I probably, probably was kind of MIA from the poker scene for at least, you know, five or six months. I was still kind of playing here or there in between the, work I was doing, but I was, uh, working, you know, 12 plus hours a day. Uh, so I really didn't have all the time for poker. And, uh, so when I quit the job, um, to play poker, my first month is, a, you know, as a professional, I was, uh, I made $0. So I don't know if I can be considered a professional cause I didn't even make money the first month. Um, and
0: oh, believe me, the first year as an entrepreneur, I was making $0. <laughs> so it's,
1: so it's tough, right? And so, uh-huh. uh, So I didn't know, you know, I was still pretty confident that I could do it, but you know, I was not as confident in my game. I I was definitely rusty, and so, you know, I had been kind of stalking out a bunch of coaches that month where I was kind of struggling and and saying, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. I just came off a job that you know didn't pay very well. It was a commission-only job, and you know, didn't didn't uh, didn't pay very well uh, on the commissions, and it was so I didn't have much money because I just got out of college. And, um, so I didn't want to pay, you know, coaches this big, sum of money up front to coach me. And so I got a percentage deal. I found a coach that agreed to do it, um, contingent on, you know, this is how I sold them. Like coach me, coach me, uh, contingent on me playing a massive amount of hands and
0: See, so as long as you play a certain number of hands, he gets a percentage of all your wins.
1: Yeah, I mean, the main thing was because if I played, you know, 100 hands, you know, he has a percentage of only 100 hands to to make money on for him. Mm -hmm. So the more hands I played, uh, the more, you know, the more chance he had to make a lot of money.
0: Because Uh, you get better or because the odds change?
1: Well, both because, you know, the longer I play, the more, you know, the more uh, the variance breaks out. But also because, you know, every hand I play, I have a certain expected, you know, expected earn. Um, So you know, if I play a massive amount of hands, then, you know, his earn would be a lot higher as well.
0: Okay. Um, all right. And then from there you did $17,000 a month because of
1: that help. Yeah. I mean that month, that's just the second month. I made 17,000 and then I kind of pretty consistently could make quite a bit of money each month. Uh, how do you work with
0: the coach when you're working with them one-on-one? How do you work with them so that you improve? What do you do?
1: So the way I did it was a little different. So there's a number of ways you can hire poker coaches, but I kind of knew how I learned best, and it was just... Um, I wanted him just to... I would send him all my hands at the end of the day, not all my hands, but all the hands I had questions on. And I basically would kind of, you know, pinpoint where the question was. Hey, here's this hand I played. Um, I lost money on it, and I'm not sure, you know, if I played it correctly, and I'm not sure if I should have been in this hand, um, or if, even if I won money in the hand, hey, I think I should have extracted more value on this hand. You know, how could I have played it better? Um, what did I, what would you have done in this spot? And so it wasn't, uh, you know, I feel sometimes coaching can be kind of too general and I knew exactly where I had questions. And so I would send him, you know, 30 hands a day or 50 hands a day. And I would just say, send me, you know, it can be a short response. Send me exactly what you would do and why. Um, and then he would do that. And so, even when I wasn't playing poker that month, I played eighty eight thousand hands of poker, which is which is a lot of hands. But even when I wasn't playing poker, I was just studying my notes from him. And so, you know, even on a, like an off day, an off day for playing for me would be going to the casino, sitting at the poker table, and studying uh, his notes while I waited for hands because it's you know slow playing in, in the casino compared to online. And was this? So... Uh,
0: I see. Okay. <clears throat> uh... You know, I've noticed that in coaching in general, actually, that when I go to someone who, um, who's going to help me improve my business, if I were just to say, Hey, my business stinks, what do I do to improve it? I wouldn't get as strong an answer. Not nearly as if I said, look, here's the page where all these people are coming in, but not enough of them are buying. What do I do? Or here's how many new members I have every month. What do I do to get them to stay longer? When I have really specific questions, I get much more useful information. Right. All right. So then you're playing poker yourself and then at some point you get this idea for what became blue fire poker. Where did that idea come from?
1: Um, there were already a lot of, a lot of people doing kind of poker training and poker coaching. And, uh, Mm
0: -hmm. it's
1: funny, the idea, the story behind the idea came from, uh, I was at an entrepreneur event in Arizona and, uh, I got, I got sick or had this basically huge pain in my stomach. So I was laid up on my friend's couch after the, uh, the conference for three or four days and i re- couldn't really do anything could not go back home um it was just a sharp pain and so um this kind of was was couch bound and so i just started jotting down you know i was fresh off an entrepreneur conference and always wanted to start my own business and i was like you know I, i've you know i've been thinking about going into you know something poker related because i knew the industry well um and just kind of started jotting down all these ideas for what would become blue fire poker and kind of all these you know all the pros who I thought could be great coaches. Um, kind of all these marketing strategies I could implement that nobody was doing. Um, and just kind of, you know, I have this, I have these, you know, 10 pages of uh, of the the yellow legal paper of just all these ideas. And all you still dump. have them today. Yeah, you know, it was funny. I found it like a year, I guess a year after launch or two days. You know, it took us about a year to launch, but uh, two, two years after uh, I'd written it. And I actually found my page with my projections based on because I kind of had an idea of what other people were doing in the industry and how. You know, how did
0: you know what other people were doing in the training industry?
1: Um, well, one, you know, one person came out and, and said what they were making, which was baffled me at the time because they kind of had a uh, no competitors, and then um, a lot of other competitors came into the market and. I knew some of those guys pretty well and so I heard you know from some of the coaches and they were talking about you know hey I think the site brought in this amount of money and I was surprised that it brought in that much and then the uh, coaches
0: would know because the coaches got a percentage of the sales
1: yeah some of the coaches had deals like that where uh, they either knew and and would kind of talk about it and uh, um, that was how I found out was coaches on other sites were like hey you know we're doing this much and I I, I know because you know because my percentage was this and so I heard some of the numbers and I was like you know, wow, that sounds like a good business to be in. <laughs> um, and it was, and I thought, I thought there, there was a way to do it better um, compared to what was out there. And so that's essentially,
0: kinda- I want to ask you what you had in mind for doing it better. But essentially, yeah. the sites that were out there were doing what were the key elements? There was a membership that people had to pay, right?
1: Yeah. So it's a uh, so we do it. A lot of people do it the same way we're doing it. We do. Uh, it's coaching but it's uh through video format and so and we don't serve you know one-on-one coaching it's uh it's like you know you can see them playing it's a membership site and so uh you can see our our pros playing um and you can see their whole cards and it's kind of like you're looking over their shoulder and they're teaching you as they play you know exactly why they're doing what they're doing and you know how they're you know extracting more money out of players how but is this what
0: other sites were doing at the time yeah there were a lot of a lot they of sites were are... so you they would yeah. you'd you signed up for other people's sites and you saw that they had coaches who were well-known poker players who were mm-hmm. playing poker and narrating their game
1: yeah there, there's already i want to say there's probably 25 to 30 people doing it before we got in uh, mm-hmm. there's only a couple you know bigger players but there was there's a lot of those sites out yeah
0: and from what i saw it's essentially they're showing their computer screen, which is where their game is, and they're talking about who's who they're playing against, why they're making that decision, what they think of the other person's approach, that kind of thing. That's what all these sites essentially were. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And so you saw that and you said, I can do that too. I'll get my own coaches. They'll do screen sharing. What other elements were gonna be on there? Blogs, forum?
1: Yeah, I mean we have blogs and forums, but the only uh the only monetization is is the videos. That's what people sign up for. I mean the blogs and forums are kinda you know, it's not really they're not that, that well trafficked, not a lot of people visit them. I mean, people are, are interested in what, what, uh, you know, some of the blogs and forums, but, uh, the videos is what, is what gets, you know, gets the, uh, the people coming to the site.
0: Okay. And so you saw that and you had ideas for making it better. Before we get into how you wanted to make the marketing better, what did you have in mind for making the product better?
1: It was so when we, when we launched, well before we launched when I was, you know, initially putting kind of the whole, idea phase together, it was uh, you know, some of the complaints in the market was uh that, you know, a lot of the guys people were signing up for never made videos. And so, you know, it was a it was a good strategy from a standpoint of, you know, keep costs low. Uh where sites were signing big name players, barely having them release videos because, you know, they cost a lot of money. Um and so people would you know, the attraction on the sites were, were, were players who were barely releasing videos. And then kind of the rest of the videos were all these filler videos of kind of other pros that nobody knew. Um, so it was a huge, you know, my, in my mind, it was, there was a huge gap where, you know, okay, so all these people are signing up for, you know, big name players to learn from, and they're not really getting that. And so why don't, you know, why don't I just put together a team of only players people want to learn from and just kind of, you know, you know, there's 25 to 30 sites and no one had kind of filled the qual like the quality niche. Um,
0: and you had, you had them commit to a certain number a month.
1: Uh, the pros. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically I put together, yeah, I had a list of like 50 guys that I wanted to recruit. Um, ended up launching with a team of, uh, about, I think it was five or six. I got and them here on
0: the site. I've got a screenshot of that too. One, uh, I got Phil Neiman, Jason, three, Martin, four, Ryan, five. So those are the experts who you had on there,
1: yeah, I think there was a six Don, and then uh, um, yeah, that was it and and so and the competitors were a lot of competitors had fifty, sixty pros, sometimes more, and it was and that's that's kind of the reason I got into it because there was no there was no reason to have you know a lot of guys that people weren't signing up for as a business class.
0: Even the first version of the site said quantity over quality. Excuse me, quality over quantity, and that's the that's the thing that you saw. You said all these other sites have a few pros. The pros don't do enough. Everyone else is tossing way too much garbage in. Let's just focus on the pros, and they'll do a certain amount every month. But
1: that's but that'll be guaranteed. Yeah, exactly. So the other sites would would have, you know, their big guys making you know six videos a year, where our guys were putting out six videos in six weeks. Okay. Um, Anything else
0: about the product? Did you want to maybe step people through the education process? Did you want to break it down differently?
1: You know, honestly, I didn't, uh, we didn't have like a step by step by step. Um, the only thing that I made sure to do was there's different kind of different levels of, uh, of the games and I wanted to have one guy who kind of crushed their level. And so it wasn't just, you know, high stakes guys. It wasn't just low stakes guys. It was, you know, low, mid stakes, high stakes guys who were killing it. And so if you're a low stakes guy you know, we had what you needed. If you're a high stakes guy, we had what you needed. Um, mm-hmm. and it was the highest quality. And it was the one thing I did, I guess a lot differently was I didn't offer many games. We only offered cash games. And so we didn't offer tournaments. We didn't offer sit and goes, uh, you know, the other, basically two forms of poker. And, um, the reason for it was I wanted to kind of make sure like, this is the site to be at for cash games. Like it's the only site you would need to sign up for. And you know, if we kind of filled in all this other stuff, mm-hmm. um, we'd be another very good option for, for poker training, but I wanted it to be obvious in the beginning, like, Hey, this is like the only place you sign up for, for cash game training. And then, you know, after, you know, over time we expanded to the other games, but I just kind of wanted to, that to stand out for us in the beginning.
0: All right. I'm still gonna hold off a little bit on marketing because the next thing I want to understand is about the product, um, the software involved. You went to a team uh, in India that you found on Elance and you said, guys, Build me this, and essentially this is a membership site. What today anyone can get for under a hundred bucks using Wishlist Member and a free WordPress uh, WordPress site. You wanted to build that whole thing yourself.
1: Yeah, well, so I didn't know of a lot of um, you know options like uh, out of the box solutions, and I think a couple I, I looked at. I may have looked at that one, may have looked at a couple other ones, but they didn't do what i needed them to do or at least you know what i I thought they
0: existed at the time and yeah this there was a big hole in the market at that time
1: right right so um yeah i didn't even know what i was asking for so i went to you know i was on elance and just kind of started you know talking to them and got all these bids and you know finally picked a company and it was yeah the worst experience ever i mean it took uh should have taken two to three months to launch took nine months um and it was it was a nightmare. I mean, it was, uh, they, at some point, you know, they, they, they said it was too much work and, uh, they stopped working on it and kind of, I guess they call it like holding your, uh, code hostage and for until we upped up the payment. And I said, no, uh, and it wouldn't do it. And so there was a period of probably one or two months where there was actually no work getting done. So we were just kind of waiting and, and, uh, you know, then I started looking at other people and I said, Hey, I need a decision by this date. If you don't, uh, pick up the work and we're going to go to somebody else. And they, and they started it up again, finally. And, uh, nine months later we had, a um, a site. And as you can see, probably on the, uh, it was very simple. It wasn't, it wasn't any, it wasn't awesome looking site or anything like that. It was just kind of a simple, but it did, did what we needed it to do. So, um,
0: what do you advise someone else who's going to hire a developer off Elance to build out his first version? What do you advise that entrepreneur to think about, to avoid your problem?
1: Um, make sure you click the escrow button because I forgot that one uh, so we, we did
0: you were paying up front essentially
1: so I paid half up front and uh-huh. the other was on the back end but I didn't have an in escrow and uh, the I contacted Elance a bunch and uh, they said oh no problem just uh you know around our problems we were having is it oh no problem you 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 have an escrow, right and I said uh oops I did no, I don't and they said I can't help you and they they were the least help that anyone could possibly be. And it was just, uh, you didn't have an escrow. They didn't, they didn't, they weren't worried about your. Did you period. learn anything
0: about the way that you screened out this company, about the way you specked it out for them, the way you stayed on top of them throughout the, what should have been two months, but what ended up being nine months.
1: The biggest thing is, uh, know what you're asking for, I think. So mm-hmm. it was, you know, definitely partly my fault cause I was a total newbie. I'd never run an online business, never built a site. Um, so when I asked for something, it's, it was pretty general. And so I say I need I need a membership site. You know what does that even mean? You know to to a programmer they don't they don't know what that means. Uh, and so they know they can give you a membership site, but it was so, you know, working with people that are you know English isn't their first language, and and uh, it was very, you know, if you say you want one thing, they'll send you something back, kind of word for word what you said, but not even anything you know that you had in mind. So it was like uh, I see. Well, given, it's probably a bad example, but if I say I want a button on this page. They might send you a page back that's like the whole page is a button, you know. So it's they don't understand, they don't think in the way that
0: I see. Know, it's technically what you asked for, but it's not it, at all what you need.
1: Yeah, so that was that was a pain. So I think yeah, if I were to do it again, I may I may kind of do a video series for them and kind of walk them through exactly how I need things and where I need them and compare them to other sites and show them. I think if I was to do it again, I think that would have saved months off the
0: cost you sixteen thousand dollars to build this yeah again how far we've all come in technology WordPress is free wish list member costs under a hundred bucks boom you're done oh. and there's so many other methods of doing it too you say yeah. that the first version looked crappy
1: well I mean yeah I don't know if it looked crappy but it was' it's, it's simple it's really uh yeah crappy simple it wasn't it was it wouldn't blow your mind if you came to it from a design standpoint or anything like that it was just kind of a plain page, and with I think the blogs on the side, and you know, a couple maybe one or two videos that you could see as a, a, a examples, and uh, that's about it. It was pretty simple, yeah.
0: Okay, you needed to get coaches. I know here, the bigger the name guests that I get on uh, for interviews, the bigger my audience, the bigger the company that uh, whose founder teaches on Mixergy Premium, the bigger the audience. How do you get big name guests in poker when they're if yeah. they're strong? I mean, big name pros in your world. If they're strong, they're going to make hundreds of thousands a year just playing poker. They don't want they don't want to be a part of a site and collect a uh, percentage of your earnings.
1: Yeah, it was hard, and that's why you know I mentioned I had a had a list of like 50 guys that that uh, you know I potentially wanted on the team, and uh, it was you know one of the big things as you mentioned, there are guys. These are guys. A lot of them are you know 20 years old, and you know, making half a million dollars a year so it's not like i can come to them and say you know i'm going to change your world financially because you know these guys are you know in their 20s living in mansions and it's you know how are you gonna you know how are you gonna do much for them You know, they don't they don't they kind of have the lifestyle they want they don't you know they don't need much more money they can make as much as they want playing poker and so it's uh so it was hard and so it was you know some guys got involved for publicity i mean to be involved in something that could potentially be big helps them a lot from a standpoint of potentially getting sponsorship deals, which are you know potentially big money for some players. Um, just kind of want to get their name out. Some of these guys want a lot more coaching clients, you know, one-on-one coaching, and so putting their name out is one of the, you know, as a pro for a site that's very exclusive. Like we didn't have you know just a ton of pros. We just had a couple guys. If you if you were one of the couple guys that really helped your credibility for, uh, you know, for for getting more clients. So. It wasn't just the pay that you know that i could offer it was uh kind of all these other benefits that they could receive how uh, did
0: you split revenue up
1: uh for four players mm-hmm. or for pros um mm-hmm. it varied i mean most of the guys now are on uh, like a per video we pay them per video um early on it was you know a handful of guys i think we had three or four four guys i think who did uh um, they got a percentage of some of the video sales and, and, uh, and, uh, some shares in the company and things like that. And so they got, you know, they benefited in the upside of of the business.
0: So what's what share of the business did you end up owning?
1: Um, I can't get too specific about it, but it was, uh, it it was pretty, pretty good. Uh, it was over half,
0: over half you owned. Yeah. Okay. And today over half still.
1: Yeah. Same yeah. amount as before. Yeah. Same percent.
0: Okay. So they still own it even if they're not on the site anymore.
1: Yeah. A number of guys were uh, like vesting and, you know, they left early. They didn't, you know, vest all the way. But uh,
0: yeah. So here's something that I saw. Um, I did a Google search for Mm -hmm. Blue Fire Poker up until December 31st, 2009. And I saw a note on a site called The Player Play the letter R.com and it said Phil uh, Galfon launches training site Bluefire Poker and right. then it talks about the sign up fee and and so on but I was noticing that some people said that it was his site that was being launched and he was one of the pros what's the deal there
1: yeah so you know my goal from the business when I started was you know build the business and uh, I thought that Promoting the pros instead of myself was a lot more beneficial for the business. Um, You know, if I came out and said, you know, I'm launching this site, um, what does that really mean for potential customers? It doesn't really mean anything. Um, So, the pros, we had, you know, we had three or four guys who were pretty pretty known in the community. So, Mm -hmm. you know, those were the guys who were doing interviews and, you know, kind of giving the headlines to them because it was way more beneficial for them and for the business. And, uh, yeah, you know, I told them when we started. I said I don't, I don't need any publicity from, from doing this. I mean, this is, uh, you know, this interview. I think is the, maybe the second time I've even talked about.
0: We couldn't even find a freaking picture of you. I wanted from my notes a picture of you, but you are so low uh, profile online. We couldn't even get that except right. for one black and white that you use on Twitter,
1: yeah, Facebook. I know, right? So and that was that was planned i mean it was uh you know and that was one of the benefits to the guys coming on too is i said hey i don't want publicity for myself i'm not doing you know i'm not in business for for an ego boost for myself i like i like doing business and uh i'll give you guys all the publicity um i don't need any and you know that was one of the benefits is i, I wasn't trying to kind of take a lot of the headlines i was you know any opportunity for an interview or something i gave it to the pros and and, and the
0: downside them. though is as we've seen when he left a few months ago Site traffic I see here, according to compete, tanked, we yeah, tanked. It, it dipped considerably.
1: So we had, so the initial guys we launched with, um, zero of the same guys are still making videos for us. And so that is, that's a downside because, you know, a lot of people come out, come out and say, oh my gosh, you know, uh, everybody's, you know, quitting blue fire. They must be, it must be going out of business or something because nobody knew who I was. And so that's the downside of it is, you know, kind of giving everybody else the, the spotlight and kind of staying you know just behind the scenes doing the business is it's uh I've, i found the downside um was you know a lot of people in poker forums are you know oh my gosh it must be going must be going under and uh you know and the, and the dip is um so there's, there's multiple reasons of the dip one is the poker economy in general right now is uh really bad there was something called black friday that happened about the same time and it was uh a lot of the sites that all the players played at don't offer it for for U.S. players anymore. So part of the dip is that's the main part of the dip is uh, all the training sites. Um, yeah, I know a couple of the on- other owners really well, and all the training sites kind of got hit uh, the same day, basically. And uh, so, but in regards to yeah, the pros. I mean, we we don't have any of the same guys right now um, as when we started, and so it it was for you know for fans and for for customers and for potential customers, it was. You know, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, what, what does that mean? There's wait, everybody left. I mean, uh, but uh, that so that was a big downside. And, and I kind of look back and should I have done it differently? And now I'm like, yeah, maybe I should have put my name out there a little bit so people if people know, hey, you know, I'm the person behind it. Um, so maybe that was, start
0: off with giving them all the attention, but then start giving yourself a little bit more recognition, at least on the site.
1: Yeah, I think that was an error on my part because you know, there's a lot of a lot of benefits to it but a lot of you know a lot of downside to it as well that i learned yeah.
0: yeah let me do a same search with your name and blue fire poker for this uh for everything up until 2009 okay it comes up it comes up yeah. uh as the ceo all right so let's talk about marketing you paid heavily both in time and money to to build your site you yeah. worked the phones and I guess email and form and everything you could to get the pros and you got them on board. Now you got to get customers or else the whole thing is worthless and getting customers is way harder than getting guys in India to build the site for you and getting pros to accept a percentage of your winnings and a share of your business. So right. t- h- talk to me about what you did before you launched to get customers.
1: I mean the easiest thing was not in, was not in marketing. It was spending a ridiculous amount of time recruiting the, the pros um, because that made us have a more valuable service than, you know, the competitors. So the, you know, the extra time kind of, you know, getting the right guys on board was kind of marketing in itself that, uh, that kind of spread, you know, word of mouth marketing and, and you know, people signed up initially just because of the guys we had on board. I mean, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, Neiman, Phil, Jason, um, Martin were, were big name guys in, uh, in poker and, and kind of, you know, had their own circles, their own followings. And so, uh,
0: I see. Like if I said Richard Branson starting a site with me where we're going to teach entrepreneurship, people would just find it. I wouldn't have to buy a lot of ads, but Richard Branson, well, he's What I guess what I'm asking is how do they have their following? How do people even know where in your world are people communicating and finding out that the guys who they admire are going to be teaching on this new site? That's bluefirepoker.com.
1: Um, it was a little easier probably than other, uh, I guess niches or industries that, uh, the poker community is kind of condensed, at least the professional poker players. There's a couple major forums, you know, a couple major news outlets. So there's really not a lot of places that we had to get, you know, get it known that we were coming out. Um, so that's why I mentioned the day of. It was easier and I didn't have to do a lot of pre. You know, Part of the reason I didn't want to do it is because I knew I could get in front of our, our potential customer base right away. Um, so, you know, if you have a couple forum posts, a couple of news, news outlets mention you, it's a... Uh, it's going to spread pretty quick so we were on you know all the poker sites within the first 24 hours because uh you know if you have it on the first couple of sites everybody else kind of finds their info from there anyways i so, see
0: okay all right so that helps what else did you do before you launched to get customers on the day that you launched
1: literally zero i mean we didn't do anything so i mean we were we basically i mean the pros you know day of obviously we had the pros you know talking about it blogging about it um, kind of getting interest and just kind of saying we actually got in trouble cause the, the, the forums, they were, you know, kind of putting as their profile, you know, on the blue fire poker team or, you know, having the blue fire logo. And so we got in trouble from, uh, uh, from the forum. They wanted us to pay, you know, a bunch of money to, to be able to do that. Which so, forum was this um, two plus two, which is a big, major poker forum. I um, see.
0: So they were already on there chatting and they changed their logo to their changed their <laughs> icon to your logo yeah. essentially. And they were promoting through that forum. I see that makes sense. Yeah. Um, And so was all, we are going to launch on this date, come and sign up. It wasn't, hey, go, go enter your email address on that form that you and I talked about.
1: Um, before the day out. Before. No, there was not, like we had no mention. of. I basically told all our pros, don't say anything about what we're doing. Um, and so no, like literally no one, I don't think knew anything like this was coming out. I mean, the team of our guys did and that was it. And then boom, day one. Day one it was In just retrospect, awful. would it have made
0: more sense to do a lot
1: of promotion ahead of time to say we're going to launch, and give people a date, and have them excited about it? I don't know. I mean, I think there's there's pros and cons, right? Because since I knew I could get in front of the community right away, um, I don't think there was a huge downside as to what I did. And I think – I don't know if it would have happened with us or not, but I know a lot of companies, I see all this pre-launch stuff. And by the time it launches, I'm kind of bored with it already. Like it, It's yeah. kind of like you get the excitement of – this company coming out in the pre-launch and then it launches and it's it's like you got to resell them all over again why it's why it's awesome where we oh, launched i see i kind of like oh my gosh i can't believe these guys are training like instant signups whereas you know i wonder if you know some of the hype wouldn't happen day of um if it would happen obviously there's a huge benefit to building a huge list ahead of time and and doing all that um so you know overall it's probably way way more optimal to build a list um but I don't know that there was a huge downside in doing it the way we did because we knew we could get in front of our audience.
0: Um, you charged a hundred dollars sign-up fee, ninety-nine dollars and ninety-nine cents, right. plus twenty-nine dollars and ninety-five cents a month. How'd you know what to charge?
1: Um, ooh, we we would we wanted to charge a lot more. Um, and the only reason we charged as low as we did because every other site was. I mean, we're the most expensive site, um, and so you know we thought that we had the best product, but we're like, well, we can't really make it. Five times what everybody else has, or ten times. Um, but because the people who initially got in, it charged so low to start. Kind of that's where all the pricing fell. And so, uh, you know, a lot of people are, are charging a lot cheaper. Um, just kind of, uh, I think that you a lot of people do no sign-up fees. And so, you know, we did a sign-up fee and um, and the monthly fee. And uh, we're the most expensive site. I think. I think there's maybe only like one or two other sites who even have a
0: why a any- sign-up fee and a monthly fee.
1: So. The sign-up fee is two things. From a business perspective, I think to some degree it helps when people commit. Um, they're more likely to stay on. Like if you sign up for 130 bucks um, to pay a second month of, you know, 29.99 is not as big of a deal. If you do one month, you know, you're, the second month you're paying twice as much as you did. You know, it's 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 a bigger commitment. It seems like where if you put the hundred dollar investment in, you're more likely to stay on and want to learn. I think. Um, but the other part too is we have a ton of content on our site. We have over a thousand videos now. Um, and so if people can just, you know, it's, it's uh, bad for our current customers. If other people could just come on for 30 bucks and look at everything that, you know, somebody else has been paying for the whole time. So it's kind of like your, you know, your entry fee to get in and see, cause you get access to all our backlog content too. So you could watch a thousand videos if you wanted and you can, uh, we let our people download everything. And so, you know, we didn't want people to come in and take everything for 29 bucks. 30 bucks and, uh, and leave where, you know, it'd be a disservice to our customers who are honest about, you know, paying it every month. And, uh, so what
0: is the incentive for, I mean, yeah, what's the incentive for someone to stick around when you actually give seven days free and then you charge, I think on the eighth day, a hundred dollars plus $30 for the first month. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it make more sense for someone to say, I'm going to stick around for seven days. I'm going to download everything, you know, basically work the weekend to download it all. And then I'm going to cancel. What do you do about that?
1: So we have a download cap in the, in the free trial. They can only download 10 videos. And so as soon as the, uh, trial is over, they can download unlimited. Um, so if somebody, we've had people do that, we've had a lot of people email and say, I want to download way more videos and I can't, and you know, they're just there to take everything during the free trial. And so we tell them, Hey, like, there's a reason we have that in place is, is, you know, so people don't kind of game the system. What
0: do you do with then someone who does that? who does pay the, the 130 and they download everything and cancel. And the reason I ask is I think, I know I've got this issue. I think everyone in the, in the membership space has to consider this. What do you do to keep people staying on when you've given them the convenience of being able to download everything?
1: I mean, we have, uh, right now at least one video a day coming out. So there's a lot of new good stuff coming out. Um, you know, a lot of new, you know, content videos that we haven't put out before, a lot of new, you know, we sign new pros, uh, we have them putting out content. So it's, uh, you know, so if you want to kind of keep getting access to, you know, the most relevant content, it makes sense to stay on. And, you know, the games today are a lot different than they were three years ago. So if you're watching a video from three years old, it's, it's, uh, probably higher quality content now than, you know, than three years ago or more relevant to your games.
0: I see. Okay. Um, and then you also have sessions where, where it, the, the education goes on over time, right? Where you need to wait till next week to finish what you just started learning this week. Do I understand that right?
1: Yeah, sure. We have a lot of, uh, like series. So series.
0: Uh, that for some reason I couldn't think of the freaking word series yeah. as, a, as a way of explaining so what we'll have- I was talking about. Yeah. So that helps.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, you know, if we have, um, and we don't really strategically set it up this way cause people are different, you know, different people are signing up every day, but if we have a really interesting video during your trial, um, and it's a series you'll probably want to stick around and see the rest of it and so you know my you know maybe we have a pro getting out you know two or three videos a month um, and so maybe that series will last you know six weeks or or, or however long um, so uh gives incentive to stick around and maybe see more of what they're doing in that series
0: All right, I'm looking at my notes here to see if there's anything else what else uh, well I look here what other tactics help you get people in the door and then help you get them to stay longer
1: I mean, some of the marketing stuff I did was a little outside the box. I mean, I I'm not sure if you heard of the uh, the Obama challenge um, that I did. It got on Fox News. So, giving this is
0: when people when politicians said what?
1: Yeah, so it was kind of in the news already that uh, there was a big debate whether poker was a game of luck or a game of skill. And kind of the big the big thing was they're trying to you know one side was trying to outlaw poker, and the other side was you know trying to regulate it and legalize it. Because it was, you know, it was a game of skill. It's poker is different than other games in that there's a skill, so you can win or lose based on you know how skillful you are at, at it. And uh, so I kind of wanted to latch onto the story that was already in the news. And uh, uh, so I challenged Obama uh, to a game of poker, and I said, you know, I'll give you a million dollars if you can be one of our pros. And you know, with the you know with the logic of it being well, anybody would accept that bet if it was. Um, you know, a game of luck because you have a 50-50 shot at a million bucks. And um, so, you know, the money would go to the charity of his choice if you want to. And, and uh, I think we opened it to any member of Congress. And and so we... I actually got two people touch base with me who were, you know, representatives. They wouldn't say who they were with, but supposedly, you know, representing people in Congress. And they really wanted to know, is it serious, the details? And I said, yeah, it's very serious. Um, you, your guys won't beat our pros. Uh, and, you know, people started, other people started picking this up and saying, you know, and, and, and talking to me about, hey, if this really goes through, you know, we can help you get this on TV. Um, I see. And, you know, so it kind of started spiraling off. Like I almost, you know, obviously there's a risk there in offering a million bucks, but uh, it's, the upside was starting to get huge that these people are willing to help, you know, kind of help back us and help get us on TV because they, you know, they had their own, obviously agenda they wanted publicity for. So, um, other people were kind of trying to latch on now to our story.
0: What else and, did you do for marketing? You said that before you launched, you had a lot of ideas for how to market differently.
1: Um, in terms of, uh,
0: getting new users in getting new customers.
1: I mean the main, in terms of publicity stuff, I mean, we did other stuff that, uh, I mean that one ended up you know on Fox news, which helped us a lot. Um, I did another one where uh, Michael Vick was getting out of prison, and I offered him a contract to become a Blue Fire pro because none none of the NFL teams would offer him a job. And so it was another kind of, you know, latching onto a news story, and it's, you know, it's relatively easy compared to what a lot of people think because there's already people are already talking about it in the news. So if you give them a relevant topic, and you know, reporters are always looking for a story, right? So I basically just hand them their work that they don't have to do. And so he said, Hey,
0: I'll give Michael Vick a quarter million dollar contract to come and teach poker on my site.
1: Yeah. Like we were going to have our pros train him and then we would kind of, he would be kind of teaching people about the process of becoming a professional poker player. Ah, I see. And I kind of spun it as, you know, you know, he's a prof you know, the press release. was, he's a professional athlete. So I think he'll make the transition well. And, you know, <laughs> and, uh, right, but
0: those and- are really good for, for bursts of attention. Do yeah. they also translate into new orders are people coming in and signing up because of it
1: so i don't think we got many customers from the actual viral marketing but what, what happened was it creates kind of a second wave of publicity in the poker circles um and what i mean by that is we just launched i mean so i think the the you know challenge to president obama i think that happened within a month or two after launching we were on Fox News, and so all of a sudden, people are seeing this site that just launched and saying, wait, holy crap, these guys are on Fox News, and they're a poker training site. Like, how are these guys, you know, poker sites in general don't get national attention. So for, you know, this random, what people thought was this, this little tiny, you know, poker training site to be on Fox News just after launching, it was kind of uh, created the second wave where all those same people who talked about us when we launched, now it's a second wave, and kind of helped put us on the map because... Uh, we're constantly getting, getting the poker headlines. So it wasn't necessarily the, the signups from, you know, from Fox news, but it was sign signups from the poker community that came from Fox news. Um, that oh, kind I see. Of put, like all this free publicity on the back end again, um, in those channels.
0: I see Michael Vick's story got picked up by black sports on black sports, online.com total coin flip. I see wrote an article about it, poker, I'm guessing. I don't and know I these heard, sites.
1: supposedly I never heard it, but supposedly somebody uh, texted me and said, "Hey, we just heard you on ESPN Radio." Um, you know, we heard of of your business on you know one of my buddies, and I never heard it. But uh, you know, a lot of the a lot of the media they don't tell you if they're saying something about you. They just kind of do you it. Know, out. So I never knew. You know, I didn't even know when Fox News was airing was airing the story about us. Uh, you know, the poker forum just kind of blew up. It was like Blue Fire Poker was just on Fox News and all right. But and,
0: then, so I see how it adds credibility and how you get tra- you get customers from the sites that are reporting about the news, but that's still just, um, uh, a short pop. What do you do to get customers in day in and day out? If you're running a membership site, you need new members. What did, what yeah. did you do and what advice do you have for the audience? Who's doing it? who are doing it too.
1: Yeah. The biggest, the biggest thing I can say is there's not really a trick to, uh, you know, a lot of people are looking for this like internet marketing kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. tactics and, and to get people in. But, uh, the biggest thing for us has been word of mouth marketing. And so, you know, the viral marketing basically just helps scale the word of mouth because more people know about it. Mm -hmm. But then the, you know, the value of the service we're providing has been the biggest marketing generator by a hundred X times anything else. So if people are willing to, you know, go to your site and say, you know, and you actually give them value, they'll go out and say, Holy crap, this is the best thing that's helped me in my poker career. And, and, uh, so on forums, constantly on forums, on poker blogs, like if you, you know, if you, uh, you know, come across our name, lots of times it's, you know, I just signed up to Blue Fire Poker and I watch these videos and it's helped or, you know, I just signed up and, you know, I How love How do you
0: make it. sure to get people the results they are looking for?
1: Um, well, number one, we sign guys who we know can win. Like we have a very strict process for getting pros in. Uh, a lot of our pros that we turned down, or a lot of pros who try and sign up to be a, be a pro for us, uh, we turn down and other sites sign them. Um, and so. But, but, rather-
0: um, but even if they're pros, it doesn't mean that they're great, um, that they're great teachers. Sure. And even great teachers don't do very well when they're just, you know, putting their stuff out there for the world. There needs to be some process that turns great doers into great teachers and some process for getting feedback so that you know what the audience is thinking as they're as as they're wrestling with the issue and what they're yeah. um and whether you're helping them with the video what do you what's your process
1: yeah I mean you said a big thing too is it uh you know same with any other any other industry a lot of people who are very good at it don't teach it very well Um and, and vice versa there's a lot of teachers who are you know slightly better teaching it as, as they are doing it and so we try to get people who can do both very well, um, and so you know, like what we get a pro uh, who wants to make videos for us, I'll send it to several of our other pros, and they kind of say, you know, I don't think he's going to be good, and here's why, or he's really good, and here's why. Um, and so you know, if we get a consensus that hey, we should bring this guy on board, um, we bring him in, and, and I let I let a couple of our top pros help help decide because they know better than I will, uh, you know, on um, on who will make a good fit.
0: So i see so part of it a big part of it is the selection process but do you also have a process for making sure that that once you've hired someone who's good he becomes even better because they're on your site because of your process i'll tell you what i mean because it's an issue that we've wrestled with here at mixergy i get great entrepreneurs on to teach the topics that they're good at so if i have for example someone who's especially good at um, talking to customers and extracting their their pain We can't just have him give a list of bullet points. We have to have him break down his process into a natural, logical uh, progression. For each step in his process, we make sure that he articulates the step clearly, that he attaches a story to it that both adds credibility and illustrates the point and is then also memorable. And then we walk him through the whole process. And before we even do that today, we go to the audience and we say, what issues do you have around this topic? How are you planning to use it? and you know, there's like this whole process that we're developing over time for making that person into a great teacher. Do you have anything like that? What do you do?
1: So um, the big thing is, yeah, a, a lot of, if you watch one of our videos, I think a lot of people would expect, you know, just to kind of talk generally about poker, but uh, we actually, when you talk about the processes, we'll actually, some of our videos, a pro will talk for an hour about two hands, and so they'll talk about every step of the process, their thought process throughout the whole hand, um, and in talk, in, in, uh, in regards to about the, the process of videos and how to make the, the pros better, um, customers will give feedback and they'll say, you know, I didn't like this or, you know, I like this about the videos. And we'll constantly um, look at what people want um, and we can look at, you know, how many people viewed certain videos and look at the feedback. And so we can see really popular concepts, really popular, uh, you know, did one video blow up is there, is there 20 comments and 20 ratings on a certain video, but zero on this one. And uh, so
0: and ratings and comments give you feedback.
1: Reading and com- ratings and comments are really big indicators. Uh, about a six months ago, maybe we did this huge, huge breakdown of like every single video for a couple of our pros. And we broke down exactly the ones that, uh, people were wanting to see the ones they weren't. And so, and I would send it to, to the pros and say, Hey, it looks like people are really into this kind of video from you. Um, could you could you make more videos on this type of concept? Um, could you do it on this type of game? Um, you know, could you maybe not make video series so long? Because we we found, and this is kind of interesting, the series that you mentioned earlier, it would drastically drop in the in the views and the ratings as series got longer. Where you know you'd think it should be getting, you know, staying the same because people would who who liked it would want to keep seeing it, but we saw it drop off where people. People almost just want something new and exciting, mm-hmm. and so they'll, they'll want to check out something new as opposed to, you know, part seven in a series is, uh, is less interesting. So we, we found a lot of details by going through and checking every rating, every comment, and uh, doing a breakdown per player um, on and, and giving the player specific feedback, the pros.
0: What's your strategy for dealing with piracy?
1: So, yeah, so that was a big thing early on where I was. it was really frustrating, and uh, we got stuff stolen from... A lot in the beginning, um, but in my my strategy then was trying to figure out okay what do we do we've got to stop this. Uh, my strategy now is do nothing, um, and the reason is I think people drastically overestimate you know the downsides of piracy. So the way I look at it is um, if people are going to steal our stuff, uh, they're not the people that are going to pay for it anyways. You know people need it for free and they just kind of need to take it. I mean you know, number one, you know, maybe they'll get a virus from wherever they're downloading it from. And, you know, if you want to pay 30 bucks a month to make sure you're getting it from, you know, from the actual site and all that, it's probably, you know, for the guys that that are that have the money to pay for it, uh, they're gonna want that security probably, but, but um, the guys who aren't gonna pay for it, or if they, if they view it anyways from stolen content, um, I don't view that as like a lost revenue source because they're probably not gonna pay for it anyways. And also, maybe our videos help them get better and make more money and then one day he'll say, Hey, you know, I should sign up for BlueFire. I, uh, I I make more money now that I can I can afford it, and uh, and you know, there's benefits too to to being involved. You know, being a paying member where we'll do you know member reviews for videos where we'll take take a member's hands and we'll go through and we'll we'll have our pro break down their game. So um, so there's there's side benefits to
0: so they do screenshots of their play and then they show it to the expert who then gives them feedback.
1: Yep, exactly. Yeah. So we'll, so if you're stealing our content, you won't get any of those type of benefits. What else? I'm,
0: what other benefits are there like that?
1: Um, I mean, I'd say that's one of the main ones. If, if you know, we do Q and A's once in a while. So we'll say, you know, if you're a member, send us your, send us any you of your questions and, uh, we'll, we'll make sure, it, uh, you know, most of the questions will get answered. Um, and so a will do, you know, a 45 minute session or hour session, just going down the list of, uh, a bunch of On questions. On
0: video, looking at the list of questions that you guys gave them. Yeah, exactly okay
1: yeah. so
0: um, but you did at one point get carried away didn't you maybe I'm
1: yeah
0: uh, I'm pausing for a second because I don't like that I said the, the phrase carried away but yeah. there was a time when you were really trying to hunt down thieves and pirates and torrents yeah. and what happened there how long did you spend
1: on it so that was in the beginning um, I don't know that I spent a ton of time I probably spent a uh, like mental time stressing about it like figuring out what to do but um, met with a lawyer, uh, tried to see what we would have to do. And these guys who are stealing it and putting it out were in like random countries that it would take so much hassle and money to actually shut them down um, that it was not going to be worth it at all. And I actually emailed, you know, we emailed the guys who were stealing it and said, hey, you know, please stop stealing our stuff. You know, we spent a lot of time and money, you know, putting this out. And uh, what they say? Yeah. I know the one the one guy specifically who was trying to do this as a business model. Like he was actually stealing it and selling it cheaper. And uh, so he, I don't think he was doing very well with that model. But uh, he he wrote back and said, "No, I, I prefer to sell it." Uh, you know, thanks, <laughs> thanks for your email. And and it was just very casual. And uh, and I said, you know, you're but you're you know you're stealing our stuff, you know, blah blah. blah. And it was it was just uh, it was very casual that he was stealing. Like his business model was stealing, and he was. Totally okay with that. Uh, didn't didn't phase them one bit.
0: Um, affiliates very effective for getting new customers. No, uh, no. not
1: very good. Um, you know, I thought that was going to be a major source for us, but the issue in the poker community is you can make so much more money as a poker affiliate, where people don't want to uh, push a training site. When as a poker affiliate, you can get you know, if you're pushing a room, maybe you can get, you know, several hundred dollar CPA where, you know, poker training site, you know, we'll, we'll pay out 50 bucks, which is, which is very good, um, you know, for a product like ours, but it's, you know, other people are getting four times, at least four times as much for, you know, for a lot of the poker rooms. So it's, you know, we thought we were going to get all these major sources and a lot of people, a lot of people want way, way too much for, you know, they want you to sell their soul to be able to promote you in the, in the industry. And so, uh, we didn't want to do that and so you know people you know wanted to you know hey if you give us a part of your company we'll help promote you and do all these things and so a lot of the a lot of the benefits that uh i thought we would get from affiliates weren't there but we have you know we probably have several hundred affiliates and it barely moves anything for us it's still almost everything we have comes from word of mouth what about ad buys nothing like i don't i don't spend money on marketing um it's all viral marketing any any of the things i do for marketing is viral um, which will then kind of turn into word of mouth through the poker community. What do you mean then, by viral? Things like the Michael Vick uh, That idea? stuff. Um, yeah, we'll do that stuff. But I mean, we'll also do stuff. We'll put out things that's maybe a little different, a um, little more interesting than other people are doing. We bought a poker documentary. We released that on our site. Um, so everybody gets talking about that stuff because you know, nobody else is doing it. We did, uh, actually, just recently did something very different. We did, uh, we have this 20 part series, which is. Not really a documentary, but it's uh kind of all the interesting questions that people want to know about our pros and you know, what's the most money you've ever won? What's all this stuff? And so we put together a twenty part series on, you know, all of our pros. Uh and so each video is, you know, I don't know, fifteen minutes or so in length, and it's it has every one of our pros going through and talking about, hey, the most money I want is this, this is what happened, and and so uh just kind of those type of videos have a chance of you know, maybe not necessarily going viral to, to the extent, you know, that, that you and I think about it on the internet, but throughout the poker communities, a lot of people talk about that kind of stuff because, you know, it's easy to kind of fill fill all these gaps that nobody else is doing anything. And then you get talked about because you're the only one doing it.
0: All right. I'm looking here at my notes to see what else I want to talk to you about. I want to ask about forever jobless, but before we, a- before I ask about that, yeah. I've got to ask why did Phil leave? I mentioned him earlier as one of the pros. He was the one who is most identified with the site. He left, Partially through his series, he said, "I'll have to finish the series somewhere else," and there wasn't ever, as far as I could tell, a clear explanation. What happened?
1: Yeah, the the the, the finishing the series somewhere else. I that was uh, uh yeah, not entirely true. Um, what do you mean? I don't want to get too into it. I, mm-hmm. I can't get too into why he why he said that and why he kind of did that. Um, and, and, the reasons why he left, uh, I don't know if I can get into that.
0: What can you say about why he said that? I mean, just because the stuff is otherwise hanging out there.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of people have wondered, you know, why, you know, why did, why did some of your pros leave? Um, you know, the, the biggest, and it, and it, sounds like a generic answer, but you know, wanted to move on to other things. Uh, and I think, you know, the one thing I can say is I think it's not, it wasn't making him enough money um, that that it was worth it. I mean, guys like guys like him are making millions from from poker. And so instead. he asked
0: to make more money, and there just wasn't yeah. enough in the
1: budget. And it was that was one of the big reasons. Was uh, it was yeah okay. a lot of money stuff. Yeah.
0: And so that's why he said, "I'm going to take this somewhere else."
1: Uh, um, I can't, I can't really get into too much. Um, because, uh, oh. Hey, you still there?
0: Yeah, there we go. The connection went down a little bit.
1: Um, yeah, so I, I don't know where I lost you, but, uh, yeah, I can't get into too much why he kind of spun it in that way. Um, but yeah, that was What's your take on it on, on him leaving specifically for, mm-hmm. I mean, He can't make it, you know, he makes way more money playing poker than, uh, than he can make through, you know, through Blue Fire stuff. So, um, from that perspective, it, it, it makes a lot of sense if it's, uh, you know, if it's monetary, then it makes way more sense to, you know, to, to just play poker, focus on poker.
0: So why take his comment off the message board when he said, Hey, I'm leaving and I'm going to do. Yeah,
1: that was, that was, uh, and I don't know how much I can get into it. So basically what we did was. We moved a comment, uh, it was in a, a blog, and we moved it to the the forums. Um, and so it was basically we could get in there and respond, and people would see our responses, and people said, oh, my gosh, they're they're deleting things from uh, from the message. And all we had done was move it to the forums, and we were communicating um, and saying, hey, you know, uh, this is, you know, Phil's leaving, blah, 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 the site's still going to be fine. Um, and kind of people went, and there was a lot of, kind of spinning with things that, and, that I can't get into, is why, why people did them, um, but, but that was a big thing, that the way it was spun around his leaving, and the same as anything else, everybody picks it up and starts talking about it, and so it looks, it looks like Blue Fire must be trying to hide that he's leaving. They don't want people to know he's, he's leaving, and it was not, uh, you know, it was spun in a way that, and, and I was in a position where I couldn't talk about the things, you know, that I knew, uh, and so it puts us in a tough spot because, oh, they're not saying anything. They must be something back yeah. something backwards. you're only going to come out either saying things that you can't say um, or coming off really bad. And so, you know, so I waited to come out with a with a statement and people were like, oh, they must be hiding all these things. Uh, and it's uh, so it made us look bad. But I think it was better to handle it that way than coming out and saying, no, here's what's really going on and uh, kind of reacting. Uh, how I wanted to react um, and it would have it probably would have been worse for us reacting that way than than waiting making a you know a statement that you know obviously everyone wants to know every piece of information you know they want to know you know everything about you know the insides of our, our company and all that and so you know you 're never going to please them by you know you know by your by your statement on on things that they want to know all about, but uh yeah, I'm happy with you know, I'm. I'm not happy with the way, you know, it was kind of spun and we couldn't really respond like we wanted to, but, um, you know, at some point I'll probably be able to talk a little more openly about that stuff.
0: When, what has to happen for you to be freer?
1: Um, probably, uh, a lot of money type stuff, uh, uh
0: negotiated with, with him and then you guys can decide how you're going to talk about it
1: yeah okay. still ongoing so um so yeah that's stuff where I can't come out and say here's here's what happened and, and I you know would have loved to um, but it would have helped it would have helped us kind of people you know see it a lot clearer and see what was going on and the fact that you can't say anything about what's going on is very very tough and it was it was stressful because uh, we didn't know he was making the announcement like he didn't didn't tell us uh, he was making an announcement. And so that day it went up and got texts, you know, got texts to find out that he made an announcement, which was, uh, you know, well, I wasn't very happy about that, that, you know, didn't, uh, we didn't know that he was making it that day.
0: So. And so it puts a lot of pressure on you.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, we didn't, so we didn't have anything prepared. It wasn't like, and that's why it took several days to, to respond to anyone because it was not, you know, it was not planned. Yeah, uh, the other way it went, the other way it happened.
0: You know what, it's funny. When a site goes down, for example, non-entrepreneurs say those jerks, they're not even te- they don't care enough to keep their website up and those jerks, they're not even telling us that why the site is down. But entrepreneurs yeah. have experiences like me, for example, where a few weeks ago the site went down and I realized until I didn't realize actually until Bob, my mentor said, Hey, Andrew, why, why don't you just tweet out that the site is down that'll be back up and send an email internally to the mixer G team to let them know the site is down. I realized, Oh, those guys whose sites are down and aren't telling us, aren't being jerks, they're busy solving the problem. And now, you know, when, when you experience it as an entrepreneur, you understand, okay, this is the, this is what happens when you're running a business. You can't, you can't address every issue properly. But we sat down, we wrote, uh, or I sat down, I wrote down for next time the site goes down, what do I need to do? And I'm really so stressed about bringing the site back up that I'm not thinking about how to address all the side issues let me give myself a checklist of things that I need to do so that I can solve it in the future. Anyway, so the point I'm making is I understand your point of view because I'm an entrepreneur. I understand your situation, but I also want to learn from it. How do I protect myself from a situation like this as I build my business or what do I do or to, to, to either keep this from happening to me or if it does, and I am throwing a curveball, how do I react to it properly based on your experience? What do you think?
1: Yeah. So the number one thing we mentioned earlier is it would have, would have helped uh, substantially if I was already if I was kind of, you know, the face of the site as the owner. Um, would have helped a lot. And so the fact that a lot of people who were either customers or potential customers um, didn't know me, so, you know, in in their eyes, it was some random business guy doing these things that were hurting the site rather than you know, they didn't see it from, there was no other person involved. It was just, uh, somebody, it wasn't like, I wasn't, uh,
0: ah, I see. Yes.
1: and so it wasn't, uh, Oh, this random owner of blue fire who we don't know. Um, you know, cause there was obviously some of the people knew me on the forum, you know, blue fire forums and things like that. But I wasn't, I wasn't in there posting a lot and, and, and doing a lot of those things. Cause it wasn't, you know, they were there for poker related, uh, you know, things most of the time. And so, that was the number one thing, the number one downside, when we talked about there was a downside in doing that, not putting my face up there, not putting my name out there, not reaching out enough to, you know, to customers or, you know, just the community in general, where, you know, most of the only people who even know that, you know, I was the one who started Blue Fire were the pros, um, you know, other owners of, you know, poker sites that that we talked to and, and do, you know, affiliate relationships with and some friends. And that was it, like the, that was the total amount of people who even knew, you know, I ran this business um, I see.
0: I- so to avoid this you'd say get out there as an entrepreneur let people know that you're that you that you're running this company
1: yeah definitely and, and that was the the downside and definitely when you're know, going forward in other businesses it's it's something that I'll definitely do and kind of put my name put my name on it uh, put myself out there so that, that people can see like yeah you know this is you know I'm behind it and you know any issues you can you can you know talk to me rather than kind of talk, talking to you, you know, a person behind all these people that they don't even know, they don't really know, you know, they didn't know me. So it was, it was t- a lot tougher. All
0: right. That makes sense. And it does bring me to uh forever your site. where did yeah. the idea come from for that?
1: So I've been thinking about doing a, either a blog or a book for years. And, you know, I saw kind of the same gap in you know the poker training market that you know in the blogging world it was all you know the kind of the make money space online is all you know people teaching to make money online are not making money um, they only make money from selling the make money information and there wasn't a lot of people who knew how to make money
0: that pisses me off too that there are yeah. these guys who are so slick they're such great talkers. I mean, they would watch the two of us talk here and they'd laugh at us for being amateur communicators. Meanwhile, they stink at business, but they could talk and make you feel like they know everything, like they belong on TV, like they've got this confidence and yeah, right. people end up paying money to learn from them. So you saw that and you were just as bothered as I was.
1: Yeah. I. So when I start, or before I started, when I was thinking about doing the blog, I have a list and I still have it. I'm still adding to it of probably, I want to say like 700 blogs and it's all, make money space, internet marketing space, kind of that space. And I went through the list and I literally found maybe five to ten people who knew how to make money, yet 700 were teaching how to, how to do those things. Um, and so there was a huge, huge, huge gap of, you know, I, I, have a, I have a kind of a quote that I guess I've said a couple of times and people seem to agree with it and, and it kind of you know, makes some of the other bloggers angry, I think. But, you know, most of the people who make money don't blog and most of the bloggers don't know how to make money. And Mm -hmm. that's the big thing that, you know, there's this gap that everyone, everyone teaching it, you know, they're selling, you know, if you look at their sites, they're spamming all sorts of products and that's how they make their money. They don't from actually making money. They don't make it from building businesses and and doing these other things. And so a lot of people, a lot of people who are aspiring entrepreneurs and people want to learn, they run into this trap that they're learning from the people who actually don't know how to make any money. And so the only things they're learning are these random spammy internet marketing tactics that, you know, they, they miss the whole concept of actually. Here's how you build a business. Um, here's how the people who know how to make money, make money. And they just learn, um, you know, here's the way you spam your list the best. Here's the way you kind of put AdSense on your site. And these things are totally irrelevant to making money. I mean,
0: meanwhile, I'm looking at your site. Am I missing something? I don't think you're selling anything. Do you have ads on here that I'm not no. noticing? No, it's just a it's a personal blog. With the one photo that we were able to find of you online, and just you telling what you've learned.
1: Yeah, and it was, and that was kind of the thing. I didn't want to come out and sell things. Like I don't, you know, it's more of a, you know, my two main goals for the site are to kind of help people trying to make money online because I felt like there's a lot of misinformation out there, and the other thing I wanted to meet a lot of other entrepreneurs that that are doing some cool things. Where you're being behind the scenes for so long, I, I, you know, haven't met as many entrepreneurs as I want to, and. You know, I figured if I put some ideas out there, people I might want to meet would get in touch with me and vice versa. And, uh, yeah.
0: Apparently I didn't want- they have. I see you end up getting, what is this? 204 comments, 122 comments, because I yeah. guess people are coming from Bluefire.
1: No. Well, no? so I actually sent an email out to some of the, some of the Bluefire customers, but initially it was again, same model as Bluefire, almost no promotion. Um, and just like my whole. Focus was on the content, and then I would basically say, "Hey, I have this," and kind of word of mouth would spread again. And now I'm starting to do, you know, interviews and and things like that it helps get the content, but uh, or gets the you know traffic. But other than that, it was kind of the same concept. If if the value's there, like, and you can get the word out, people will come. Um, and I didn't, you know, I don't use a lot of you know, uh, I'm not I'm not buying buying lists to get any anyone there or like anything like that. And it's uh, um.
0: What's coming up? What's a blog post that's coming up? Give me a sense of, cause you launched this about two weeks ago. Yeah. By the time that this is up on the site, uh, it'll be a little bit older, but you'll still have your, your best days ahead of you. What yeah. do you have in mind? What are you drawing people over for?
1: Yeah. So I plan on putting up a lot of stuff. So I got into, uh, um, e-commerce business. So mm-hmm. I started getting into all these, uh, drop-ship e-commerce stores and built that business up very quick. We went from like, I think we we're doing 3k a month in revenue to 40 K a month within, I think it was like nine months. And you're going to and, talk
0: about how you did that here?
1: Yeah. I'm going to talk super, super openly about how, you know, how we did that and how I outsourced everything. Like I didn't actually do any of
0: it. Is that the story that okay. I've got in my notes here?
1: Um, I think that's one of, that's one of the, one of the stores that I've bought. Um, tell I tell
0: us a little bit about it. I know you'll get into more details on your site, but tell us a little bit about what you did so that we get a sense of
1: yeah uh, how so, you are as an entrepreneur outside of poker. I think that the story you're referring to that I talked with, uh, with Jeremy about was, um,
0: Jeremy, our producer.
1: Yeah. So Mm -hmm. the, the one store that you're talking about, he, the seller was selling this package, like, so they weren't selling it. Right. So I, I would approach all these, um, people owned a lot of stores and I would say, Hey, do you have any stores? You're not doing anything with, you know, I want to buy them. I want to buy your crappiest stores. And so, you know, they would just have these junk sites that they weren't, you know, they maybe had, you know, 20 stores, 50 stores, a hundred stores. I said, just anything you just kind of scrap sites, just, you know, sell just them. Just
0: scrap so- online stores. And there are people who own dozens of online stores?
1: Yeah. So I would just kind of seek out all the people who I thought were, you know, kind of had like store empires. And I would just be like, give me all your stuff. That's no good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so this one guy had a deal for seven sites and, and, uh, he said, oh, you know, I'll give me these seven sites. And one of the stores specifically caught my eye, and it was kind of a throw-in in in the deal. And I looked at it; it was getting a decent amount of traffic. And I said, "You know, why is this not making money? You know, this one's, you know, has no money." And and he said, "You know, I bought this. I bought this site for. I think he bought for eighteen thousand dollars. However long ago, a year ago, two years ago. And the supplier had had shut him off. And the reason they shut him off was because he didn't run a brick and mortar store, which is." You know, strange, but some suppliers won't supply you unless you also have a brick and mortar. And so, so um, we called the supplier or we called the, yeah, the the manufacturer, and basically said, "Hey, is there any way around this?" And they said, "No, you have to have a the brick and mortar um, to do this." And so, literally one phone call later, um, we had called a you know a similar store. It's all similar things in the area. Um, I'm in Austin, and with the pitch, hey, uh, you know, we have this we have this uh, store and we want to sell things on, and the supplier is not letting us sell it unless we have you know a brick and mortar store, and we said we don't want to compete with you. Uh, will you help us out? And they said, yeah, you know, like it's too competitive already. We don't want more competitors. You know, we'll help you out. And so you know, the supplier never said we had to own the store. And so we basically, you know, kind of had like a a partnership, but there wasn't any partnership. It was just, you know, we're going to use your storefront location as kind of our,
0: you know, Uh, I see.
1: So we just used their location. And then we actually took things down to the store. uh, And uh, my guy, Jordan, took pictures of it and (laughs) of them in the store. And so then we sent them to the supplier and and he said, here's our storefront. And uh, and so then we were able to start selling on the store. I think I think it was last month or the. The, the month before, um, I think we did like over 8,000 in sales on that store where it was making zero when we got it, we got it as a throw in, um, for, you know, in the package of stores. And so, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff. And, and if you, if, what, if you,
0: what kind of stuff are you selling on the store?
1: Uh, we still sell, so, so I don't want to give the specific one cause the supplier doesn't know that, that we, that we do not
0: really have a storefront.
1: Yeah. Right. So okay, I don't want but to,
0: give, what kind of products are you selling on there?
1: We sell kind of every like on all our stores, we sell stuff from like baby products to, uh, um, furniture to, you know, yeah, outdoor, you know, so
0: this store sells all that, that kind of variety.
1: No, 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 it's a certain, certain niche store. Okay. What's yeah. the
0: niche?
1: Um, I don't, I just don't want to give it up in case cause it's, it's, it's one product in, 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 in particular. So okay. people would know what you are saying.
0: Selling. Even if you talk about the kind of product, it'll be so specific yeah, that you'll give it it's so away. Specific, yeah. Yeah. All right, let me uh, do a quick plug here and then I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you one final question. Basically, it'll be a for, for advice for me and other people who are in a similar business. But the plug is for Mixergy Premium where if you've listened to this interview and you said, hey, you know, I really admire what Billy did by building up his own um, membership site where his, where his professional trainers teach poker. If you say, hey, I'd like to create a membership site for myself too, I want you to know that if you're a member of MixergyPremium.com, We've got courses where you can learn the basics of creating a membership site, including a course taught by Daniel Himmel of Endurance Nation, where he breaks down the process of creating a store, uh, excuse me, a membership site. We also have the founder of Wishlist Member, actually, the same plugin that we use here at MixerD to run our site, Uh, Stu McLaren. He teaches how to get customers and how how to keep them in there, and Noah Fleming, who we hired our consultant here at Mixergy who helps us with retention he teaches how to get your members to stay on as members longer so basically we've covered the big issues you're gonna need if you're gonna create a membership site and if if you're already a Mixergy Premium member just go to MixergyPremium.com and take those courses right now and you'll learn them directly from well from entrepreneurs who make their livings who build their businesses in this space and if you're not a Mixergy Premium member go to MixergyPremium.com I guarantee you'll love it mixergypremium.com. Hi, Billy. So I'm in the membership space. Hopefully the person who just heard me right now is in the membership space or will be retention. Getting customers is something that we all talk about. In fact, that's universal for all businesses. I think, how do you get customers? But retaining customers is different for the membership space than it is for say someone who's selling furniture. What advice do you have for us in the membership space on how to keep our, our members longer?
1: Um, I, I mean, for you specifically, you got I, some for me specifically. Yeah. Oh, I hit think, me. I think you give too much away for free. Okay. Uh, and it's, it's good and bad. I think it, it's, uh, you know, it kind of creates this moat because you know, other people can't really come into the space cause you're giving so much away. It's, it's like they couldn't come in and give the same stuff away and, and have people pay for it. Um, so it's good in that sense, but I almost feel like, and, and I talk to a lot of people about this, but I, I, I love what you do with Mixergy and it's it's awesome and, and I always talk to people and they say hey do you have a give a mixergy premium and everyone I talk to who loves G doesn't have one because there's too much for free and they can't they can't even watch all the stuff you have for free um, and so I feel like you could retain all those members and get get more members um, if you had less and almost you know something we do for bluefire is you know we show uh, like the first 2 minutes of a video and then if they're interested they'll sign up where you're giving it all away for free, which is awesome for, you know, people who want free stuff. Um, but it's almost too much, I think, in terms of I feel like you could not only get more customers, but retain them longer because, you know, people stay on and then they see, oh well, he's giving all this stuff away for free. I don't I don't need to stay a member. Um, and I know I that's see. The thing for, you know, because I, I talked to a you know decent number of my friends who are either entrepreneurs or wanna be entrepreneurs and uh, Every one of them, 100% of them watch Mixergy and close to zero percent, you know, have the premium. And only reason is because man, there's just too much for free. I couldn't even, I can't even watch that much. Um, and that's the that's the biggest thing, you know, for Mixer that I that I see. And um, and like I said, it's great because if I wanted to get in and compete with you, I would have a really hard time because it's like you already have this huge boat and you give it away for free. So I couldn't offer the same content and charge for it because it's, uh, you know, you're kind of kind of creating the moat with uh with all that free stuff.
0: You know what? You're right. That is a big challenge. And frankly, even once you sign up for the membership part and you say, "Okay, I didn't have access to all these courses, but I got a ton of courses now that I have access to. That's a whole lot." Right. And how do I find the time for it? Do you think I should maybe do something in addition to the content, like a community and that becomes a thing that people pay for? Do you think that is there a way to do it without scaling back the stuff that I give for free? Is there a way to add something to the paid members that would be more valuable maybe than the free stuff?
1: I, I don't know. Um, off the top of my head, the one thing I can think of and I haven't really thought it through, so I'm not sure if it if it makes sense, but if you did, you know, maybe, and this works as kind of a win-win too for you is that, um, you know, maybe when guests come on, you do a free interview like you do for everyone. and then, you know, maybe you get people to agree, right? Because it's good for it's good for me, it's good for other people who come on, you know, it gets people to know what we're doing and our sites. Maybe you say, hey, in, in agreement for coming on, um, will you give me a 10-minute in-depth or a 15-minute in-depth after the interview? And then immediately after this interview would close out, like a pop-up screen would come out and say, hey, here's the questions that I got them to, to answer that were way more in-depth about this, this, and this. And so maybe do it like, uh, you know, because you dive into a lot of like, Deep topics and stuff people don't want to talk about and all that stuff and maybe like some of that stuff in terms of the learning, if you save that for, hey, um, we have another 15 minutes under the premium channel, if you want to sign up and get this in-depth, uh, you know, maybe, you know, for, for example, maybe for mine, you would say, do you want to find out exactly the steps, how he got on Fox News um, and do you want to find out exactly, you know, how he recruited the pros and, and things like that, where other people would get very interested off, you know, certain topics and then it wouldn't be touched on in depth enough to say how exactly would they do that and then but the but the guest gives you you know 10 15 minutes to go extremely in depth so it's Mm -hmm. a good it's a good trade for you and for them because you're giving them the interview which is great great publicity and then uh they're giving you premium content so that you can basically and it's a great upsell right because they just heard that person so they're interested in it they're going to buy right then
0: that makes sense that makes sense. Actually, I was even thinking as you were talking about how, um, you get specific answers for your members from the pros. I thought, well, maybe we yeah. could even tie that into what you just suggested, which is have people bring their, their specific issues up and I'll ask it after the interview.
1: Yeah. I wonder if there's a way and you can
0: only be for premium members. Uh, huh.
1: you almost have like this, uh, separate email or separate form for each interview and, and any member who listens would sign up and say, this is what I want to know. And then the interview guest agrees to come back for however long, 20, 30 minute session, and you say, "Here's the questions our members wanted to know. Will you be willing to answer these?" And they come back, and you, <clears throat> you kind of have this agreement ahead of time. Like, if you, if I bring you on for an interview, you got to help me out, you know, help me on the back end. And uh, so then your 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 members will have specific, not only specific questions answered, but you know, as you know, probably a lot of people have the same exact questions, so they're going to be interested in the same thing. So. Right. Uh, you know, there's maybe three or four questions where people would be like, I really want to know that. And, you know, could you go deeper? And then, uh, you know, you just have a bunch of free, it's, it's great for you, right? Because you're using the free thing. So you don't even have to, since you have a, a big enough brand at this point, you wouldn't even have to pay people to come on. Like you have like free training and except you get all the, you get all the money because you're, you know, you use the free as leverage to get the guest on because you have a big, big audience. And, uh, you know, so you, you kind of use the free videos as, as your, instead of your payment, it, it's kind of like a, a marketing payment for them.
0: You know what? I i am so glad that I asked that question. The reason I asked a specific question like that is because earlier in the interview, I re, I realized, of course, whenever I ask uh, for specific help from, from uh, entrepreneurs, as opposed to just saying, Hey, how do I grow my business? If I yeah. ask something specific like this, I get more useful information anyway. So that's why I yeah. felt the pressure to come up with a specific question. Right. Um, Anyway, and I'm glad I asked it. This is really helpful. So thanks for doing this interview. I uh, I hope I get to meet you at some point in person. Until then, like everyone else, I'm gonna go and check out your site, and I'm gonna link them all to it. Of course, it's foreverjobless.com is Billy Murphy's website, his blog where he's gonna be talking about business, and the site that we've been talking about up until now is called BlueFirePoker.com. If you wanna poke around there and see some of uh, some of what we've been talking about. Billy, it's great to meet you a lot. By the way, the reason you're here is because your fans are insanely rabid. They're so good that they kept following up with me. First of all, they recommended you, then they recommended you again, then they recommended you again, and then they <laughs> followed up and made sure that I connected with you, and I'm glad that they did.
1: Cool. Well, that, that, that's a marketing strategy in itself, right? Like trying to get, hey, will you, will you tell Andrew to-, to I was out?
0: wondering, actually, you know, so you did suggest that.
1: Um, I had asked, I'm on, a, I'm on a forum, and I said, you know, hey, you know, uh, I think you and I had talked like two years ago. And you know, way back, and and we had talked a little bit about you know Blue Fire, and and uh, I think yeah, I've we had, got a
0: search here in my inbox where I was looking. Well, I don't want to read any of the emails, but yeah.
1: yeah. And we and we, you know, one of us was traveling at, at different times, and we just never caught up. And then uh, um, and now, I, I emailed you back and say, hey, you know, you know, uh, you know, now I'm you know in Austin, and you know, can do an interview, and I just launched this blog. Love to come on. And then now you got so popular that it in, instantly goes to a, uh, you know. Hey, here's, here's where interview requests go. And so I said, oh shoot, you know, I don't even have a uh, direct contact to Andrew. So on the forum, I said, you know, Hey, I'm thinking that I might, you know, do that interview, uh, mixer view uh, interview. I was thinking to do it a while ago. And so people, uh, I think tweeted you and, and, and messaged you and saying like, Hey, yeah, you should have, you should have building along.
0: Yeah. You know what, actually I saw that you or someone else recommended you in the form that we use to suggest guests. But it yeah. didn't come up until yesterday i mean we're still working through oh, that really? list of suggestions yeah. in in order and it came up maybe not yesterday but this week and i had to when we saw it i had to tell andrea no he's already booked just right. he's a great guest you're going to notice that you're going to want to book him but he's already booked and so we didn't but yeah it, it is it is a lot harder to get on now because so many people come on that's a clever idea actually that's <laughs> awesome yeah thank you all right cool well thanks for sharing that thanks for doing this interview thank you all Definitely. for being a part of it
1: yeah thanks a lot for having me on andrew
0: Cool.